Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 7, Episode 34. This is Writing Excuses. This week's episode, how to start the next one. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And we're going to be talking about once you've finished a project, how do you transition to the next one? This isn't a, um, a, a podcast focused on publishing, but your mental mindset of getting out of one world and into a new one. Um, this was actually pretty easy for me. As a multi or as a, a one drafter who loves to you know hop projects, I was always looking forward to the next project, and I still am. And so I've never had to worry about this, but it seems to be a big issue to some of our readers. Dan, have you had to deal with this? You're more of a multi drafter. You seem to get really into one thing. How did you jump out of John Cleaver and into the next thing? It was well. Part of the problem for me there is because I did have a book contract for John Cleaver, and so uh-huh. I was. And I knew people liked John Cleaver a lot. And so I was very concerned about writing something that didn't have him in it. Okay. And so Partials and then now Hollow City, uh, they, they don't have John in them. And uh, it took me a long time to figure out, well, what, you know, what kind of character can I write about that's different from John and yet still likable? And for some reason, that was a big hurdle for me. Mm. As if John were the only good character ever written by anyone. Which is <laughs> obviously not true. But, you know, an author in that space is kind of thinking, I, I want to give people what they want, but I don't want to give them the same thing I already did. I don't want to look yeah. like I can only do one thing. Oh, and I've certainly felt that quite a bit. That sort of performance anxiety after something goes real well. Mary, you're nodding your head Oh, at me. yeah. I'm also having that with, uh, with Shades of Milk and Honey. You know, I had mm-hmm. tried to write Jane Austen with magic. And then right. having done that trick... I was not interested in doing that trick anymore and right. wanted to take those same characters born in the, the Jane Austen drawing room setting and then send them off someplace else and terrified that people were going to read Glamour and Glass, which is not Jane Austen with magic, mm-hmm. and be, but, but is the sequel, right? Mm-hmm. and be disappointed. So how did you approach, did you specifically say, all right, I need something else for this book. Um, on this first book, I sort of had this concept that you could describe in one sentence. Did you say, I need a concept for the second one? No. Um, the second one is actually the only one that I never came up with a good elevator pitch for okay. because I sold it as part of a two-book deal and didn't think I needed one. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> little did I know. Um, so what I did with that one was I looked at wh- where the emotional state of my character was at the mm-hmm. end of the first book 
and then thought about, you know, and, and what her life was like. And I thought about, okay, well, what are things that can go wrong from here? Mm -hmm. um, and what are things that can, you know, what insecurities is she still going to have? And what new ones would she have developed because of the new situation? Right. So, so you used what you, you told me once as the no and or the yes but yeah. methodology. Um, yeah. I don't know if we've talked about that, that's, but that's kind of plotting a story by saying, okay, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. This is what they attempt. This is how they get out of this emotional state or whatever. Does it work? And then you say yes, but, and then something else happens. Or you say no, and, and then it gets worse. Yeah. Um, so I did a certain amount of that. And then I also, I mean, with mine, because I'm writing historical fantasy, mm -hmm. I also look at the giant timeline. I'm like, ooh, what do we have here? Ooh, Napoleon. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> um, the thing I struggled most with in this kind of topic for me was I had written the Mistborn trilogy, which each have sort of a, um, a twist on being a modern fantasy or a postmodern, if you want to use that term, which gets me in trouble when I use it. But it's a self-aware, <laughs> a little bit. There's a, in each of the books, it is taking one fantasy trope and intentionally turning it on its head. And when it came time to write the Stormland Archive, which I intended to be my next big, you know, major um, project, I spent it probably 18 months saying, okay, what part of fantasy can I now take and twist on its head? And it really drove me in a spiral. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Where I'm like, I can't think of anything else I want. I'm excited about turning on its head to the point that I got to the, the state where I'm like, that's not what I should be doing with every book. Every book should not be a postmodern fantasy book. I should be looking at trying to create great fantasy works rather than, you know, being taking something and twisting it. Um, and this was actually my, mentally very difficult for me to get around because by then I was kind of well known as, hey, this trilogy twists fantasy on its head. It makes, you know, not really fun, but it makes use of all the heroic archetype tropes that you know and things like this. Um, what's he going to do next to twist the fantasy genre? And I think this is one of the reasons that a lot of times, in particular in our genre, uh, science fiction and fantasy that people tend to get pigeonholed yeah that that audiences want more of the same and the trick is trying to figure out a way to give them the things that make them happy while also doing something new and mm -hmm. let me use an analogy from from puppetry um there's this saying in puppetry in, in theater in general that you you need to do known titles for the first five to ten years mm -hmm. things that people recognize you know like pinocchio snow queen um but you don't want to do the same old show that everyone else has done. Uh -huh. So when we did Pinocchio, what we did was we sat down and we looked at the elements of it that audiences needed to have to be happy that uh -huh. they had seen Pinocchio when they came out. So we, you know, it's like we need Fox and the Cat. We need the Great Shark. He need, his nose needs to grow right. um, at minimum. And, um, and looked at how we could give those. So one of the things that I looked at uh, when I was doing, you know, when I, I'm looking at which stories which novels to, to tackle yeah. next are what are the things that appear to be appealing to my audience? Right. You okay. Know, my and, audience and this, is... this gets back to this concept that we try to talk to you about, which is readers and alpha readers and beta readers, they can often identify, oh, I love this. Your job as an author is to figure out why. Mm -hmm. yeah. What are you doing? And, and if you want to look at a fantastic example of some creators who did this very poorly... Uh, look at the Indiana Jones trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one came out, and it was Steven Spielberg and George Lucas playing with all of these tropes from the old serials they used to watch. Yeah. And the ones they picked for the first one are not the ones they picked for the second one. And so Temple of Doom right. came out, and it was still, you know, let's play with old tropes. Right. But it didn't have the Nazis in it, and it didn't have 
the you know the fiery woman character in yep. it that Marion was had all these things that on retrospect I actually think it's one of my favorite of the series but it's not what people wanted right. after seeing the first one they started so, playing with some of the 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 slash not slasher movie but horror movie yeah, tropes like the, much, you know, the much monster darker movie tropes stuff, and stuff. More, more, yeah. a lot of monster movie stuff and so you see for the third movie they went straight back to the first one and just down the line all the same stuff that the first movie had the, they they put in the third one because that's what audiences wanted, and then they they did it very well. Yeah. Yep. But I'm gonna toss out the so the, these are all ways to to go onto the next project. Yes. If it is in the same vein as the first yes. project. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's a good point. Let's actually stop there, do a book of the week, and then we're going to come back and uh, we'll try to tackle that one. Well, yeah, talking about uh, books in the same vein, um, the Newsflesh trilogy by uh, Mira Grant. It's all available now on audio. Uh, feed, uh, feedback, no, feed. feed, Deadline, and Blackout. Um, and they all have clever icons drawn in blood as, uh, <laughs> as, uh, as part of the cover. Um, it is, it is post-zombie apocalypse fiction. And what she did in Feed was gripping and wonderful and powerful. And there were lots of, lots of cool big ideas in it. And Deadline is a different, you know, very different book that follows on very cleanly. I don't want to give any, any sorts of spoilers, but the things that Mira Grant did in order to write three very, very different books using the same set of characters in the same universe um, were, was brilliant. That's well worth listening to. So you can head on out to audiblepodcast.com excuse where you can start a free trial membership and uh, download one of those three for free, the other one you'll have to pay for, um, and uh, their feed, deadline, and blackout by Mira Grant. All right. So let's go back to what um, Mary was saying. Let's say you want to change drastically. Not something in the same vein to capture the same emotion from the readers, but where you want to do something very different. Howard, you are a cartoonist, yeah. and you have recently started writing fiction. Yeah, um, poorly, in fact, and we're we're gonna do we're gonna do an episode on that. When I say writing poorly, it's not that the writing itself is bad, which is a separate problem that I also suffer from. Um, no, it's that the writing process is very very painful and very very difficult because of the way in which I do it. Um, but I'll can of worms that uh, he does it what on I'm, a bed of nails. Yeah, yeah. It's strange to watch him do it. He pounds himself with <laughs> a hammer. And you, uh, you guys couldn't see this, but the moment Brandon tossed that question to him, Howard started massaging his head in great pain. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. before you get into this, I want to tell them something you told me. Um, we were working out at the gym once, and I said, oh, so you're doing, um, you're going to do fiction. Of course, you're going to do space opera comedy. And you said, no, I yeah. scratched that itch with my comic. Why would I go and do the same yeah. thing in fiction? Why form? would I go and do that again? I've had people ask me for schlock mercenary novels. Mm -hmm. And the thing that they point to is the very successful... Um, uh, Agatha Heterodyne novels mm -hmm. from Phil and Kaya Folio uh, because the Girl Genius series is a successful comic, but let's try it in prose. I'm not going to give you schlock mercenary prose first, and the reason why is that there are other things I want to tell. 
Um, I've got a story that I'm working on right now that's uh, uh, it's sort of a Cthulhu in space. Okay. It's science fiction horror. Um, and and I, we may do an episode where we talk about that okay. outline. Uh, but I'm focusing on that because it's so very different from what I've been doing. It's I'm planning on so, writing it in first person. And I'm planning on not doing any... There, There is going to be humor. Mm -hmm. But the humor is all going to be wry and... And subtly horrible you know you laugh because you have to laugh because the alternative is to just be miserable and insane I like what you said there you actually changing the mode going to mm -hmm. first person um, in fact when I did the the Alcatraz books which um, were intended to be very different from my other things I wanted was writing Mistborn I needed a breather I need to do something completely different I changed and wrote in first person instead it worked mm -hmm. really well for me well the other thing that I've done is the uh, um, I've got maybe a page of the story written already. Mm -hmm. um, I just pounded out some first-person stuff that was all about all about discovering this character's voice. Um, and I knew as I was writing it that I had to, one, I had to let it be awful. Mm -hmm. um, and two, I had to write long enough that I could taste it. Um, and I'm probably going to throw all of those, you know, however many words away, maybe a thousand words, uh, I'm probably going to throw all of those words away, but those allowed me to shake off the uh, the space opera, comedy, military sci-fi right. thing and develop a new voice. And as I was doing it, you know, as I'm writing, there are fra there are turns of phrase, there are pieces of imagery that I really like that I know when I sit down with the full outline, right. I'm going to want to explore in more depth. I really like this because if we bring this topic back to it, it's kind of core. The purpose of this is to help the listener who has finished a book and now wants to try something different, is having trouble letting go of that first book um, emotionally, tr you know, trying to, trying to force you as listeners to try some new things. This was very useful for me early in my career when I sat down and said, I want to write epic fantasy, but do I really? Is that what I'm really good at? And that's why I wrote a comedy. I wrote several science fiction. I wrote several, um, I wrote several epic fantasies. Dan, you before have said you kept trying to write epic fantasy. And if you mm -hmm. would have just tried horror earlier, you think you would have gotten further. Well, maybe. See, <laughs> and because of this topic that we're this, this same principle, um, you know, had I tried horror earlier, you know, I, I don't know if I would have you know, if, if, if I would have hit the ground running, you right. know, yeah. having already written five yeah. other books in other genres, and really all five were different genres, uh, horror ended up being the one I liked the best, but I was also a much better writer by the time I got yeah. to it. This is one of the reasons that I am such a fan of short fiction, is that it allows you to play around yeah. a lot mm -hmm. more with styles, and, and, and one of the th ways that I handle finishing, you know, one project and, and you know, scratching the creative itch is... You know, my, my novel length stuff is all historical fiction. Right. Historical fantasy. Right. My short fiction is all over the map. In fact, most people who come, who've discovered me through short fiction, yeah. think I'm a science fiction writer. Right. Well, and I, I think that's pretty wise career wise because you're still establishing yourself as a novelist. So you kind of want to say, here's what I'm doing before you branch out. Mm -hmm. um, and then the short fiction, I have a. a you know, this has been my short fiction year. I've written a number of short fiction pieces, and I've just really enjoyed exploring that form because of how the different you can be. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would say to our listeners, you know, for our last, like, three minutes, let's give them, I guess we only have two, last <laughs> two minutes, let's give them advice. They, let's pretend they finished one project, they need to move on to the next, and they want to try something completely different. What advice can we give them to help them do that? 
go out and start consuming media. Okay. You know, yep. watch movies, watch TV shows, nonfiction. Read books. Yeah, read nonfiction. Read stuff or watch stuff that you have never seen otherwise. Just you know, fill your head with stuff. We talk about refilling the well, recharging your batteries. You know, recharge the hell out of your batteries between projects, and you will find many more ideas that you had never had before. Yeah, if you're really scraping, <clears throat> if you're really scraping the bottom, uh, make a list of five uh, character stereotypes. Mm -hmm. You know, the the harried housewife, the uh, the night, harried night, housewife, harried. Thank you. Um, we have a good writing the, prompt now, though. Now we do. Uh, the knight in shining armor, mm -hmm. um, the uh, the the slave, uh, whatever you know. Right. You uh, come up with some, and they can be tropes, uh, and then come up with a list of problems that need to be solved. Uh, you know, romance or murder mystery or ticking time bomb or whatever, and then just roll dice. Yeah, pair or them intentionally up, mismatch them. Intentionally mismatch them, mm -hmm. roll dice, whatever, and then write a page on each of those pairings and just see what shakes loose. Because at some point when you're writing, and this is what I love about discovery writing, um, at some point uh, the words just start to flow and you discover mm -hmm. you've locked into one of these voices in your subconscious that really wants to be heard and really has something fun to say. Um, I want to you know, reinforce and go back to the short fiction concept because when I've needed to refill the well and consume media, a short fiction collection works way better than a novel. Yeah. I love novels, yeah. I write novels. But the fact that you can read in that length of time uh, so many different authors with so many different visions approaching generally just completely different concepts will really help shake things up inside of you. Yeah. I. I'm much the same way. I, I often will go for short fiction when I'm I'm looking to recharge. The other thing that I do is, um, which is where I thought Howard was going to go when he was talking about five ideas, is that I will start jotting down uh, what I call thumbnail sketches mm -hmm. of, of story ideas. So these are just like brief one paragraph synopses of, you know, um, teenage werewolf uh, with a WA. PA project discovers the monster hunter who killed her father. Uh, I am actually working on that one, but um, <laughs> um, but uh, but so I'll just start jotting down thumbnails, mm -hmm. and then the one that makes me most go, oh oh oh, that's that that's ah, mm -hmm. that's the one I start working on. You know, okay. one thing that we've talked about a lot um, on the topic of you know controlling your ideas when you get new ones, don't abandon the project you're on. Write it down yeah. in a notebook. Right. When you're done with the project, that's the time to pull out that notebook and look right. through and see those cool ideas you had a few months ago Yeah. and uh, see which one excites you. And you can also do a little bit of crosswork mm -hmm. as well. Like One thing that I've found um, while I was working on um, Without a Summer, which is book three, mm -hmm. I was in the research phase for a book in a completely different universe. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing, I was reading those books and although the research had nothing to do with the book, that I was working on, it actually made that book richer. Oh, okay. And um, and allowed me to start yeah. thinking about uh, the next plot. one. Yeah. Okay, I see. What, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same thing Howard yeah. was talking about mashing up two different ideas. <laughs> well, um, we are out of time on this topic, but there's something that this really wants me, makes me want to do. This discussion right here is have us all do a few thumbnail sketches mm -hmm. and then bring one to um, a podcast and brainstorm together. We've done brainstorming where we do random things off, but I would like to have each of us bring a story seed so, and then try to build a story out of it 
brainstorming with the group, but you know, focusing the brainstorming. Did you just give us homework? Um, I might have given you homework. Um, um, you, and, now, the thing that our the thing that our listeners need to realize is that. Yeah, homework's awesome for you guys because you have a week between now and the next episode. We have six and a half minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's only if we pause to make popcorn. All right. Your writing prompt is the hairy housewife. (laughs) Just writing excuses. You're out of excuses now. Go write. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.